This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into science, sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got everything from comic books to science, sports memorabilia, wrestling figures, wrestling magazines, anything you need or want, it is there. They ship worldwide. Best thing is they update daily, so please visit them at firstroll.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com. For great books on classic video games, you'll find titles like NBA Jam, World of Warcraft, GoldenEye 007, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, visit LegacySubs.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They got everything from sleep aid to muscle building, anything you need or want. It is there. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device in the description. It's embedded right there. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to travel mugs to phone cases. Anything you need or want, it is there. But the easiest thing, the most important thing to support the show, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a stand-up comedian who has performed at such places as Yuck Yucks and was a contestant on The Amazing Race Canada. His album, Black to Basics, can be streamed on a ton of platforms. The very talented and funny, Cedric Newman. What's up, everybody? How we doing? What's going on, my friend? How are you this fine evening, as they say? I'm good, I'm good. I'm actually working on a day job. I'm doing the comedy at night, so this is the busiest time of the year, and this is like the full opening of things, right? So True. we're kind of trying to get back to um, how things were. Nothing's back normal in any aspect of life right now. <laughs> I know, right? Everyone thought it was going to last when it first started, like two weeks tops, and here we are three years later, still no end in sight. Like, yeah, at least stuff is open, but yeah, people are still getting sick. Hospitals are still rammed. So it's like, what has changed, right? 
be the longest March break ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. How many clubs hasn't gone back to like where, where we used to be two Friday night shows and two Saturday night shows? It's one show each night. Oh shit. And, okay. And people have gotten um people have gotten used to staying home. They're not, you know, they they appreciate live stuff coming back out, but they're not um they're not like my buddy at the barbershop Saturday is right. busiest day. It's not busy anymore. Oh shit, really? Yeah. See, because yeah. I, I noticed when if, when everything started first opening up, everyone was coming out like crazy. Everything was packed. But now it's true. Now you're starting to see more of the people like, okay, yeah, like we really didn't miss anything. So, you know, let's just go out once in a while sort of thing. Instead of every yeah. weekend, like I'm sure, again, being almost the same age group, like we used to go out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, you know what I mean? So it's different now. Yeah, some, something's off in the world. I can't pinpoint it. I mean, obviously COVID changed it. But you're just something really off, and even in um, and when I'm on stage, people don't like to talk to me. People, really? People are, yeah, people are socially awkward, and you don't that's, really take yeah, that. I agree. Yeah, being in a house for two years changes people, right? <laughs> Especially if you're alone. I couldn't imagine being alone. Like even if you that's have a true. roommate, they don't like. At least you have somebody to talk to. It's yeah, so true. Yeah, that's why you saw so many people adopt pets, and then as soon as they went back to work, they abandoned them all. Like they didn't need them anymore. Those people, like I don't know, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> and I've always, I'm, I've always been that person. Like I'll, I'll walk and stay in line just to talk to a teller. Like oh, oh okay. When I, I call it for some kind of um, let's say information, I'm like, I want a human. I don't want this <laughs> like, automated voice. Like I, I need to talk to people. That's just the way I am. See, I've said it on the show before where I hate people, which is oddly enough that I actually talk to people on a podcast, but the people I talk to is because I choose to talk to them and I know they have intelligence behind their eyes. The reason why I don't like society anymore is because like you said, everyone's socially awkward and I'm sorry, everyone's dumb as fucking dirt nowadays. There's no more, there's no common sense. Like no, the kids aren't taught anything in school anymore. Like, and I think that's the root of the problem right there. It's almost it's almost scary, man. It's almost scary where the world is going right now. And uh, even you know, I work in the garage part time. I'll give you a quick example. This this girl, we checked her um, backup camera. It doesn't work. Okay. And she's like, okay, we can order you one aftermarket or new one. She goes, how am I going to reverse? I want to say, use your neck, bitch. What? <laughs> yeah, like back, like doesn't know how to use a backup camera. Like she was nervous, not able to use a backup camera. And because all the technology is wow. supposed to make things easier, it almost makes it worse. Like they, when things crash, you're finished. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I'm, the thing. I'm happy we came up with like basic stuff, like you know, even like a calculator. Like people don't know how to do basic, like basic math in your head. Somebody could not know maybe fifty five change, cents change when it was forty five cents. Like wow. I know. Wow, it's almost scary. It is scary. And see, see, I'm the complete opposite. My wife likes to reverse not using the camera. And I tell her, no, use the camera. You can see more. So it, like, you know, it's again, it's our generation. We were just brought up that way. And just knowing how to just like troubleshoot through like normal situations in life. Nowadays, it's, it's any little thing is trauma, trauma. And it's like, I agree. There is certain levels of trauma. There is abuse and stuff. But like... If you're walking down the street and your ice cream cone falls out of your hand, I don't think that's trauma. Like you don't have to cry because, but but that's how society is now, right? Yeah, yeah, and also too the the other thing is too. Um, a buddy of mine works in a restaurant, and you know the new set of kids coming in, and you tell right. them all, you, you say, "Okay, don't do this." And they're like, "Why are you screaming?" I'm like that's yes. not screaming. <laughs> we had to deal with screaming. 
why you hooked up with him. A boss would like just totally give you his mind. You kids today would like want to go jump. You know what I mean? Like, and it's because everybody's so sensitive that um, it, it doesn't make you. I'm not saying bullying is good. Bullying is not good at any level. No, of course. But not. at some level, it, it you have to be able to build up a thicker skin, and that's why comedians. That's why we do. We were a lot of us were bullied, or we we were treated a certain way, or. You know, our our jokes come usually come from um, a pain, from a deep place, right? Of course. And that's why when somebody tells me like simple joke, I'm like, okay, did you hear this one? I'm like, we don't talk knock knock jokes. We talk our lives, right? <laughs> and we make her we make our lives funny. It's like, yeah. And everybody, even up to last weekend, always get that one guy that has to tell me his most racist joke. Like, oh like, my god! Hey, do you want to hear this? Go for it. I, I want to tell him the old. I just smile it off. I'm like. Oh. Uh, am I might hear the authenticity to make you feel good about this joke because you can't tell it to your other person. <laughs> like, oh my god! If he likes it, then I can I can get away. Yeah, the stuff we go through is not. You know, when I was starting out, I just didn't like conversations with people after because everybody wants to be funny. They want a comedian to tell them that yeah, you're funny. <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say I'm sure every time you meet someone and you're like oh yeah I'm a comedian they're like oh tell me a joke right that's like the first line like yeah. you know what I mean and it's like ah oh, like come on like that's what I mean about common sense nowadays no one has it back in the day if you told someone who was a comedian they'd be like oh that's cool and then you just like you know what I mean now it's like oh and all this and do jump for me and do tricks that's <laughs> monkey dance <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> My first seven or eight years doing comedy, I didn't tell anybody. I was just like, I'm a mechanic. I'm a mechanic. Oh, smart. And then when it started getting getting busier and busier, then I was like, okay, I have to just tell people. And then I, I learned to write a couple jokes when they say tell me a joke. I just tell them something silly. <laughs> oh, my God. So you you didn't grow up here in Canada. You were born in, and raised in Jamaica. So when did you actually come and move? I guess you moved to Montreal? Yeah, okay, so as I was three and a half, my mom my mom left my dad and we ended up moving, moving to Montreal. Gotcha. So she basically raised me up, yeah. So uh, that, that's another thing I love about Quebec is different than the rest of Canada. Oh, so sure I got to get is. a little bit of that flavor. <laughs> I think I had the biggest festival in the world just for laughs, but I haven't gotten it yet, but I will eventually. Some, sometimes when you're from your hometown, it's harder to get on in your hometown, which is weird. Oh, you know I, mean? I never thought of that. Yeah, but what, what was somebody was telling me the other day that I, I was I was at JFL. I got to see um, Amy Schumer and um, uh, was Kevin Hart. Yeah. And one of the things the one of the bookers was saying is that the locals that are coming to the show, if they see these guys every week for ten, fifteen bucks. Why are they going to pay seventy five bucks to see the same guy uh, on the bill? That makes so much sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my name's everywhere in Montreal. These little local places. Now I'm on a bigger platform. Like, I've seen that guy for 10 bucks. I'm not putting 75 bucks to this person, you know? And then, you know, watching Kevin Hart on, like, he's just, he's just one of the hardest workers. And he, um, he's very good at the, he'll, he'll sell a movie out and then uh, tour right after. Okay. And, you know, he has all those writers those movies. And, yeah, yeah. and they're like, okay, let's see Kevin Hart. He's fine. There's no, but he's a hard, he even, he even works better behind, behind the scenes. And that's what makes him, you know, as popular as he is, right? Oh, that's what I enjoyed. The reason I enjoyed Amy Schumer better, she was in a in a venue of five thousand people where Kevin Hart was at the the, um, the Bell Center. So, oh, sh- uh, you oh know, yeah. And you can't really get that connection. I, I agree. Comedy works so good, good in a little little 
little cellar with yeah. like you know like a basement or like grungy to me better than trying to like make people laugh at a fifty thousand hundred thousand you know i've done bigger i mean i've done a five thousand uh seater and i've done a hundred seater and i thought like the hundred two hundred seater way better because they can feel you connect to you right? you know even as a viewer in the audience i think a smaller venue is a lot better like every time like a big time comedian comes into town my wife wants to go and i'm like nah i'll I'll rather go you go to that with your friends and i'll actually go to like the comedy bar and go watch like the comedy over there instead i'm sorry i i I prefer yeah it's 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 different and then even after if you know the comedians and stuff you get to chill with them at the bar for a bit and whatnot it's not like you're not untouchable and stuff so no i totally agree with you even as a person who's dishing out money for sure and the other thing i noticed and i really i mean i've taken it a little bit before but a lot of times uh, when I go to Just for Laughs and I hang out at the after party, you can walk around and just tell who the com- everybody that's there is pretty much the behind the scenes people. Mm. You know, the, the makeup, well, the, the promoter, everything. You can see who the comedians are because they're just so socially awkward. They don't know anyone. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> they're smiling at everybody like, you're like, in your head, like, okay, who's this guy? Is he important? Who's this guy? Is he important? Because oh you don't know God. anybody. No, that's yeah. so true. That's hilarious. The most socially awkward people to get on that stage, where those other people get on a stage and they're just gone. Yeah. yeah, of course. No, no kidding. You you can't even tell these guys are socially awkward. No, for sure. So, have you been back to Jamaica a lot of times? Do you visit back home and shit? Yeah, I have family there. So, I mean, before oh, okay. COVID, I have, I have gone at least 10, 12 times. Oh, the, wow. The problem, problem with going to, being from Jamaica and okay. knowing Jamaica, right? You want to visit places like I want to see Trinidad. I want to see, I want to see other, I mean, I want to. See, let's say St. Kitts, Antigua, I want to see other places, but because I know the food of Jamaica and I know who you know what I'm getting, it's hard to. Uh, went to Cuba just before COVID. It was pretty okay. cool to see Havana, to see what's happening there, but it wasn't Jamaican. I've been to Dominican. As good as it was, you know, beautiful black people all speak Spanish. You're like, you're like oh, you're just like, hola, hola. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know because it sounds so fast. Like, That's what it's like, Portuguese is close to Spanish, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so for sure. And even in French, I grew up um, listening to I I, uh, I understand it more than I, I... I mean, I speak it, I know how I pick up on the words, but you have to practice it, you know, from young, right? And it's, you know, it's, it's a different language. You have to start kids young. young. You can't start them way harder or older, you know? No, that is true. Like, that I totally agree with. And I agree with you with Jamaica, because I've been there three times myself. To me, I think it's the best Caribbean. Or is it Caribbean? That's what I've always... Do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? Uh, this both is fine, Caribbean. I okay. say Caribbean, but yeah, this is Caribbean. <laughs> no, I, I say Caribbean as well, but I've heard people say Caribbean, so that's why. Okay, so yeah, no, to me, Jamaica is one of the best. I've been like to almost pretty much all the islands, and Jamaica has the best food, the best people, and I'm, I hate, I love to say it, the best weed as well, my friend. I've, the, I've never smoked. I, who's ever never been to Jamaica and always ask me how's the weed there? I'm like, it's the best weed I've ever smoked in my life. Uh, you know it's funny when you when you buy a little you know you spend a little bit of money they give it to you on the resort and you get so much that when you get when you have to leave you just gotta throw it away you wanna cry that, that's exactly <laughs> what happened to me uh, and you can't give away drugs I know like, Why is it for free? <laughs> nobody trusts it if it's too expensive or if it's for free <laughs> when it's not in that price range <laughs> nobody trusts it oh my yeah. god so have you ever performed in Jamaica how about that or do you ever want to no, okay, so 2010, um, I got uh, a call. A promoter saw me up here through somebody else, and I, okay. they flew me in. I oh. did one night, and they flew me. This is this is one of the mistakes I made. Um, 
I just, you know, they, they get you on the cheapest, John Paul can do this too. They get you on the cheapest they can. They get me, so my show is Saturday night. Okay. So I flew, in, I flew in pretty much Saturday morning and the flight was coming out Sunday morning. So what I should have done was extend my flight and do something else. Sure. But now when you're coming back into Pearson, you're like, why were you there for one night? I said, uh, I went, I did a comedy show. Oh, you're a comedian, huh? Yeah, you didn't bring any drugs back? Like, what? <laughs> but it looks suspicious, right? <laughs> yeah. Goes with makeup for one night. <laughs> it's true, though. I, I get it. Yeah. No kidding, right? Because it's true. Whoever goes there goes for a long period, not just one day. Yeah. So, oh my god, that's too funny. <laughs> yeah, 2010, and the show was in Kingston, and I okay. realized uh, I had to switch some, you know, certain jokes around so they could understand it. Oh. And you can't here. You can get away with like I'm Jamaican. That they're 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 real Jamaican, so you gotta tell it from a Canadian point. Of view. You know gotcha. what I mean? You have to switch it up, right? So, yeah, you can't try to out Jamaica, out Jamaica to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, my God. So, when did that comedy actually start? When did you think you could do this for a living and all that fun stuff? Okay, so 1999 was, um. okay, so let's back up now. I used to go to acting classes in Montreal. Oh, okay. I had a day job. Worked in a psych unit with, oh, with uh, mental illness, and yep. I loved it. I loved talking to people. Okay. I liked it. The main hospital is where, you know, you see all our people. I get hurt, bleeding, or emergency. You have everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was in the, I was in the psych unit. So as I was there, um, I was taking acting classes, and somebody saw me in, like, 95. A guy named Brad is just, of course, a Jewish guy. guys <laughs> 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 loved it, right? And he said, said, um, you're pretty funny. Why don't you try um, stand-up comedy? I'm like, are you crazy? I'll never get on that stage. But it stayed in my head. And because you have a lot of downtime talking to patients, I started writing yeah. jokes. But then 95, 96, 97, those were when um, Bernie Mac, uh, Cedric Zaner, they were of all uh, Steve. I got to see Steve. So they, they, they had not formed Kings of Comedy yet. Okay. But they were all coming for, from, they used to have the Uptown show, which is the black show that just relapsed. Okay. So I got to, and I got to, Perform there, and uh, who was it? Um, ah, uh, Kenny Robinson did something back oh, then. Oh, nice! And and I didn't know them at their level I do now. And then I got to see Chappelle. I hung out with Chappelle in two thousand. <laughs> so Shit. all that time, yeah, Chappelle like got in weed. Speaking like, of, that's how he wasn't blown up yet. The show wasn't wow. out yet. And uh, so Crazy. I started scribbling stuff, writing stuff down. In 1998, I got I got enough courage to jump on an open mic. Okay. And I did five minutes, and it just, it, it, you get, you know, in that five minutes, I got three laps. Three, I had a Jamaican joke that I wrote, and just, like, and you just get this um this bug, like, you want to do it again. You just get this release of this endorsement, and that's what started it. And then, let's fast forward now. So this was 1998, 99. Okay. My son moved up here, and then I, um, I came to visit him, and Kenny Robinson used to have an open mic. And I went in there and I did it. And I John Paul, Jason Rose, oh, nice. uh, Mark Trinidad, all you know, all the uh, Roy Day, all the more urban guys here were, were at this open mic. Sure. And I did it. And Kenny, and Kenny came with me. Kid, you're pretty funny. You want to do my Nubian show? And I said, <laughs> I'll try it. I said, it's on Sunday, and I went up and I did well. And this one cat that was on, his name was Mister Movie. He goes, um, I'll never forget this. He goes, He's not gonna last. He's just good looking. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, so at the time, Mr. Bo and his partner Darren had a show called Buzz. Okay, and yep. they uh on TV, right? Yep. And and he's, Darren now is on the radio. I don't know, Mr. Mo. I was I was one that outlasted him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't think he's doing anything, right? 
and Kenny got, and the reason the Nubian show was so great was because all the people of ethnic um, diversity got to talk their voices on this once a month Sunday show. And that was huge for me. So I'm like, and then beauty about Toronto, okay, Montreal, you had, you had just at the time you had the comedy works, which is Mondays. And then you had, you could drive to Ottawa for an hour and a half to do a yuck yucks open mic. So you only had two open mics. You come to Toronto every night of the week had an open mic. Einstein's, uh, you know, there's just a whole bunch of them. And that was like, you know, you had the yuck yucks amateur night, like every night. So you could get faster, better here for stage time. You need stage time to get better. It's a lot of line. It's working out practice, you know. Yeah, yeah, that goes so for everything. That, yeah, so that's how it started, and then I was, okay. then I decided to move up here in two thousand and one. I signed with Yuck Yucks. I, so I took uh, they showcased me uh, three months in. I oh, did well, nice. but I, um, Marcos, you're not ready yet. So we waited three more months. I showcased, and I got in in six months. And when I told Russell, Russell's like, I waited four years to get off an open. <laughs> <laughs> but he made it. His uh, his um. When he did that second comedy now with the Asian and the East Indian jokes. Right. Blew up. up. He was one of the first ones to uh, set the path for us, to, to touch all ethnic groups, right? You know Russell what? It, it's so true. And I, what... And I don't understand because Toronto or even just all of like S- Southern Ontario for that matter is like a hotbed for different cultures, different races. And it's so odd that only in the last decade are we starting to see each race and culture having their like two or three great stand-up comedians to relate to. Like, you know what I mean? And it's not only that, like most races can take from each other. So you could still relate to what, like, cause everyone has a friend of some other race. Like, so then like, you know what I mean? So I don't understand why it took so fucking long. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just uh, performing in Niagara Falls last weekend, and I, I stopped. I was in this restaurant, and this um, this German guy goes, "Oh, he goes, he, I can't do German accent." Well. He said, "Hey, you, you from here?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm from Jamaican." Blah blah. blah. He goes, "I love Canada. I love Canada. They look at all these countries." He goes, "You know what they call it?" He goes, "It's what? a fruit salad." <laughs> He goes, this is better than America. This is not fruit salad. In Germany, just brown hair, blue eyes. And I said, I've never been there, but yeah, I could. Yeah. He was just blown away you know, how many different people were mixed together. And it was like, yeah, it's really a melting pot society. Toronto's a hotbed, right? It's a beautiful thing. And yeah. So Montreal is too, but not even like here. When here is really the uh, beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Portuguese, Italian, um, you know, Iranian, every everything is Jamaican, you know, Trinidadian, just just and we all get along <laughs> see and that's the other funny so, thing like you know, I, I, you know what i think you know what i think the bridge is it's the food everyone loves everyone's food so everyone could eat like something like you know what i mean like come on where would toronto be without a jamaican beef patty where would it be without a, a chicken shawarma like you know what I, like these things are staples now <laughs> uh, i had I, I used to say um jamaicans and portuguese have the best chicken you know <laughs> but you it's guys true. have our jersey you have our- your peri peri, you know what I mean. <laughs> but then you got the serves with their uh, eye bar. Like everybody always has a sauce, right? It's true. <laughs> and so the, the Asians have their sweet and sour and soya, no true sauce. Oh my god, that's yeah. freaking hilarious! Well, speaking again of ethnicity and all that, you have an album called Black to Basics, which I mentioned off the top. You can pretty much stream it everywhere. And r- right off the top, I love like before. I used to be one of those guys that needed at least an hour for an album or a special. Now I don't know if it's because I'm older or maybe because there's so much content to consume. The sweet spot is half hour, and fantastic. I'm glad your album wasn't too long. It was great. What was your thinking behind it to making it that short? 
I uh, so I did an EP and an LP. An EP I did at um, uh, okay, ET's EP's expand, uh, extended favorites. LP's a shorter one. I did that at okay. the Nubian show, which was more um, urban jokes. Okay. And then the longer one, thirty-five is enough. Nobody really wants to listen to an hour anymore. And you know, it's funny you say that because when YouTube got big, everybody's putting their whole album on and people right? are going to watch them and knowing jokes. Yeah. So it's so funny. It went from like somebody putting an hour, then it went to like half an hour, then started people are putting twenty minutes, then ten minutes, then seven minutes. <laughs> now people don't even put a put just the premise. They put the premise and like the Jerry D says come show coming up. You'll see the beginning of the joke with no punchline. Right. <laughs> and also you also gotta keep in mind people's attention because it's TikTok and all this stuff, people's attention span have gotten really short. You 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 get a video somebody sends you that says four minutes, you're not watching oh, no, the I'm whole not. four minutes. <laughs> no way you gotta you gotta see the funny right away or you're out <laughs> yeah. no it's so true like even news articles if if i see something that catches my eye on twitter and i want to read it i click on it i scroll all the way down i'm like okay this is taking too long just to scroll i'm not reading this <laughs> yeah. even uh, i see people put these long posts on facebook and i know I'm it's like, hard. And, you know you have five six lines in. if they don't have something good to say you're like okay i don't know who died but sorry <laughs> Oh my god! Another thing I love about your your album too is again people like yourself. I love smart writing and smart comics. Like it's just it makes everything more enjoyable. It makes everything seem like there's a meaning behind it. Like you know what I mean? Like even like the end of your bit that Daddy, what you're lying about was great. Like just wow, fantastic writing. Like how do you come up with shit like this? Like what's your process for writing material? Well, a lot of my stuff comes from everyday life. And when I see the funny in something, that's when I sit down and try to like, you know, I still go practice it, but I know I try to let people that can relate to what's going on. And that's where it comes out of my, it's my everyday life, what I, what I, um, I experience. And it's still, I'm, I still haven't even dug deep into other stuff yet. It's just oh, like, like, yeah, there's certain jokes that are harder to write. Like I, I got in trouble in 2001, and I, I got locked up in, in Maplehurst inside. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I'm sitting like, but I, you know, just the different cultures in jail. But then you, you get out of jail. Has anybody been locked up? And then nobody says anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even when I, I, I don't know, my, my stealing cards joke. Everybody comes up to me after. Is that true? I'm like, you can't make that up. That's that's what happened to me. And they look at me and they think, oh no, this guy wasn't a criminal. Well, I grew up in the hood, right? Right. And that's what I like. My my friends. My friend said to me the other day, he goes, I lived in Mississauga. He goes, my, I think my kid's in a gang. He's in a gang. I'm like, dude, you can't be a gangster if you have a finished basement. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't be a gangster if you bathe with a loofah. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand these kids nowadays. Like, they're, 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 oh, you know, like, and they all get these guns. And the, the difference between mm. my era of people that grew up with, in the guns, they were... They were defending something, but they they wouldn't just shoot anybody. They were scared to get deported back to their country. Oh. These kids, kids have no fear. They, no. They'll just sh- target somebody and shoot them, not knowing the dynamics of what happens inside. And like, because they don't think. I mean, obviously, and somebody says, "Oh, well, this just was one bad choice." It's never mm. one bad choice. You shoot that. somebody, you had to have a beef with them. You had to go get a gun. You had to go look for them. <laughs> There's a lot of bad choices that come along with this choice, right? And now people, these kids are shooting them over a rap lyric. Are you serious? I know. Like, I don't understand. Like, I think it's just uh, them being desensitized. Like, they see everything. They know everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's true. Back in the day, you would only do something if you really absolutely have to do it. 
But now yeah. it's like if you don't do it, then you get ragged on. And it's like, no, it's, I don't know. I, I I just don't get it. The one point, I feel like these kids are doing it to get a name. Right. Because if you're, yeah, if you get a name, that's, you know what I mean? And, and that's also, like, guys that I know that went to jail for shooting somebody or this and that, but yeah. guys that, okay, he stole my drugs, or he stole this, or he robbed this, or you know, it was a retaliation, or they went and robbed somebody. But nah, these kids, for no reason, like, makes no sense to me. No, that's why it doesn't. Education is the key. Education is the key. And we got to just keep hoping that these, you know what I mean, the, the proper education, the proper avenues are there, and who knows, man? I don't know where the world's going right now. <laughs> yeah, well, again, thank you for people like you to have comedy in it to make it lighthearted. Because, again, yeah, like, that's what people don't understand about entertainment. And I think that's what made sort of, like, all the first lockdowns hard. Because you couldn't go out and get that entertainment, that escape from reality. So, you're stuck inside. Yeah, you got to stream stuff. You got to play your video games and stuff. But it's still not the same as physically going out and interacting. I don't give yeah. a shit what anyone says. Like, that's... I hope it's ne- it never becomes a lost art form because to me it's very important. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I wrote a few COVID jokes, and I find I also find now on stage um, I'll open up with three, maybe four. I have had way more written. People okay. don't want to be reminded too much of COVID, so get the three joke funny out and move on with life. They don't want <laughs> they don't want their mind to go back to that time. You know what I mean? No, and you know what? And I appreciate that because I'm, I'm that person. I'm like, here we go. Another comic about fucking COVID. I know everyone's wrote, but again, but you're, you have smart writing. So to me, it was like fantastic. Like, especially the one about the different variants and side effects. Like, that's smart shit. Like, you know what I mean? So you're not really thinking about COVID as you would if it was just another comic saying, oh, you know, COVID happened to me and this is what happened. No, you actually had a story because of, like, you know? I try, and that's I try to find the clever things, right? And that, to me, uh, I try to write clever and, you know, make the pauses at the rate, you know, pause is so big in, in comedy, too. Especially when you make, let the person finish the joke in their head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that much funnier. Or I also like when it goes over their head that when they're driving home, like, oh, I got that one. <laughs> yeah, and one of the hardest parts for me with putting an album together is because I've done shows across Canada, okay. back and forth, from Newfoundland to Vancouver at least mm-hmm. 10 times. And anywhere I am, I write jokes to where I am. Now, when you're somewhere else, you, you have to try to let other people relate to it. And that's where, you know, Newfoundlanders do this, whatever. When right. you're in the town, it just kills. But if you're out of the town, you got to be careful. You know, you got to find that, that bridge and let people... You have to paint that picture. That's basically that. Well, I was going to bring up even, like, your bit about uh, escaping R. Kelly, like... At any point, did you think maybe I should take this out because of the backlash? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing, like, you guys have to go through nowadays. And I feel so sorry for you guys because of that shit. Well, okay, here's the thing. That joke was written about 15, 16 years ago. Oh, wow. But because R. R. Kelly got convicted of it, I was able to bring it back. Gotcha. And show, show like, okay, we should have saw these signs. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's hilarious. I got see these signs. And I made it funny without... <laughs> Without glorifying him in any way, exactly. Because uh, you know, yeah, we know we knew he was a pervert a long time ago. And the funny part about that, he came out with an album in uh, um, about two thousand two thousand and one called "The Best of Both Worlds." It was him and Jay Z. Yes. And they would flip. Great album. They would flip. You know, Fiesta. They would flip yep, both it nights. Was a great album. Was not, I, I think it was after three weeks or a month of the tour. Jay Z says, "I'm, I'm leaving." Nobody That's right. Why. It just ended. But, you know, he saw something. 
that we didn't want to talk about. That was R. Kelly's thing. Obviously, a tour maybe he's calling these young girls and he's like, I want no part of this, right? That's true. Yeah. Because I was the same way, because I was like, that was a banger of an album, I loved it too, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you made so much money, whatever, and then you just separate, and no one's saying anything, it's like, okay, maybe they just clashed, whatever, but yeah, you're right, looking back now, it's like, what the fuck was he doing that Jay-Z saw him doing, right? And he just was like, nah, nah, I'm I'm out, right? There's a certain code amongst these guys, right? Like That's what true. Happens on the phase of so he just walked, for Jay-Z to walk, there had to be something else going on that we don't know about. Yep, no, but for sure. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You always get caught. Like, I've obviously, look what happened with uh, Epstein and everything. So it, it's it's always going to come out. And that's the thing what people don't understand. Like, it's either, what's the saying? It's either you're going to get caught or you're going to end up in jail, no matter what, if you're doing something illegal. Like, it, you can't escape it. So it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. And it's crazy. And, and to think how much money these guys had, and like, that right. wasn't enough. <laughs> like you know what I mean like R. Kelly had some banger hits you know I wish I wish and it's like wow really you couldn't get a girl that's 19 that looked 50 like you know, See, but then again it goes back to what we're saying maybe it's lack of education or maybe it was just growing up something happened to him you know some trauma and he just couldn't like I don't know it's a control thing anybody that wants or even that too uh, that's true it's a control thing interesting too like he could have he would. He was. He would, He had so many of these politicians underneath his. Uh, you know, he had stuff on them, right? And he, they they keep coming after him because he kept going after the young girls. Like what he did was wrong to begin with, but he could have twenty one year old, nineteen year olds. He went after fourteen. These are still kids, bro. That's true. That's done purposely. Like now, I could understand if you're like with someone that you think is 30 and then they up being like 17. Okay. That I'm not saying that's right, but at least you get a pass. Like, and as long as you s- separate, but it's so true. It's like you're physically and on purposely going out to find people under age. Like, yeah, that's, that, yeah. that's not cool. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm 51. I got a young daughter and stuff. Uh, and, you know, my thing is if you have to ask somebody if they're, if they're 18, there's a problem. <laughs> You gotta ask that you're you're treading on a, on a fine water right there. So, you know that is a good point, right? That is a good point. If you gotta ask who what their age is, automatically you should think they're already too young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. So, where did you actually tape Black to Basics? Was it here in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, the original was uh, so I had it was actually a year ago this this week. I did it at Yuck Yucks. I was headlining Yuck Yucks downtown. And I, I filmed every night, but uh, you know, some a lot of comics um, um, piece together their different bits from different nights. So yeah, I just yeah. did the whole thing, and it went really well. And I, it was yes. funny. Mike Bullard was my uh, oh, okay. intro, and uh, I, I right away on stage I said, "Hey, keep going with Mike Bullard." I go, "You know, it's funny when I first met him in uh, Ottawa, Yuck, uh, Osh, sorry, it was Oakville Yuck Yucks." Okay. I said, um, "Mike, Mike came up to me, and you know, he goes, hey, dude, you were pretty funny. I was his host.'" He goes, you could open for me anytime. And I got on stage and like, look who's opening for who now. <laughs> right? Oh, that's always the best when that happens, isn't it? When you surpass someone when you start. Oh, that's such a great feeling. <laughs> and, you know, it also helps too with all the, you know, with the state of the world with all, you know, everybody got to see the whole George Floyd, what happened. And, um, and you know, it, there's been a spawn of, okay, we got to put more people of color in certain positions and this and that. And yet, the other day, you're seeing more of us on TV and commercials, but we still need more people behind the scenes. Of course, more producers, 
you know what I mean? More People in power, greater. as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need that. I mean, Obama was a great for the face of America, but we need more here, too, right? But, you know, every change doesn't happen. You know, I, I think back to, you know, everything that, especially for, like, um, black Americans and Canadians, everything was in the late 60s when it changed, 68, 69, 70, you know, right. starting to get better. So when you think back, we're in uh, 2022, that's 52 years ago. That's Those kids that were raised by racists are still alive. Yeah. So if you were, if you were 15 or, or 10 in uh, 1968, you're, you're, what, 50, 60 now. So you've seen it and you still, and everything happens in the home, right? Yeah, oh, of course, it's taught. I, I, I always so believe that racism is taught. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Uh, and, you know, that's a really important about growing up in Toronto. You grew up with so many different cultures. The only thing I see that's ha- that's not good to me, when I, where I grew up in Montreal, let's say, I knew every kid in my age group, a year older, a year younger, within two-kilometer radius in sure. any direction. Now you can have a neighbor and not even know their name. I know. Kids come inside, they go straight downstairs to the video game. Like, I would have ball hockey games going on outside. We'd have ball, um, box ball games. Like, you know, one of the jokes I just... Hmm. Well, that one the other day, so he's like, Yo, you want to play Call of Duty? I'm like, No, I just, why? You're not good at it? I go, Why don't I put some hockey cards against the wall and click them? We'll see who's good at it. <laughs> you ever use the knockout cards? <laughs> yes. We're good at it. Playing corners. All those little things. Yeah, marbles, dreidels, anything we play, we play with, right? It's so true. I mean, we had Atari. We always loved being outside. Now it's, uh, and you kid, parents, you have to, um, I tell them this, which is so important. You gotta teach kids. You gotta give them puzzles. Puzzles is the exercise for the mind. Yes, it's not just physical ability. Any kind, three D puzzles, regular puzzles. That's your exercise you need. That makes you sharp. Yeah, it's one thing I learned. So. No, and of course, I totally agree myself, my friend. You're definitely right on that. And again, one last thing about your album, too, is the relatable stuff. Like I said, even though we come from different cultures and different races, there's so much stuff that I could relate to in this special. Like, it's crazy. Like, back in my day, like, that whole bit, like, I understood everything because obviously that was me. Like, when you said the the ketchup part with the sauce i was like oh my god i was rolling on the floor dying because that happened to me obviously you know what i mean yeah yeah it sat upside down we had to hit the bottom of the bottle oh my god but it, it's and and it's so weird now that there's labels that we put on everything and people like i didn't even know this apparently do you know what do you know what this year's oxford dictionary word is of the year no what is it Goblin mode. Goblin mode. I don't even know what that means. Okay. It's like ghosting something? No, not even close. So, let's see if you agree with me, because, again, we come from the same uh, time. So, so it's defined as a type of behavior which is unapologetical, self-indulgent, lazy, greedy, and typically rejects social norms or expectations. When we were growing up, aren't those fucking lowlifes? And, like... Now they actually have a word for this. Like, I, I, I don't. Like. Pig, pig, they were pigeons? Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, fuck. You know how many times I called someone a pigeon? It's so true. <laughs> Goblin, though. Like, who comes up with this? And then where does it get so big enough that it makes a dictionary? It's crazy, huh? I, I like, I believe, wow. again, in everyone doing their thing, of everyone being open and who they're supposed to be. But when you're starting to protect lazy, 
people who are just sucking the government's tit and doing nothing but being in someone's basement. Like, come on, man. We, we can't glorify that shit because then more people are going to do it. And then what's going to happen to our society? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and believe me, there's a lot of people living off the society right now. So I mean, there always was, but now it's like serve didn't help either. Nobody wants to go back to work. They, you know, all That's these places have trouble finding good yeah, you know, and, and the, other, the other thing that doesn't help too, a lot of parents um, give their kids, like me, kids got allowances, my thing, but you still yeah. have to learn to earn either cutting the grass or Something. Up, whatever it was. But now they don't they don't have that. If they know their parents are just going to give them money and they're just sitting the video games all day, you're, you're, it's called enabling, right? They don't want to do anything. You know, they're, they're going to sit there and wait for that, their parents to die so they get that house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know I'm going to inherit this shit. Right? Fuck. And it's so true, and especially this generation, you know you're gonna get what your parents are leaving you. When we were growing up, it was like, I don't think my dad's gonna leave me anything, by the way. He's talking to me right now, like you know what I mean? So it's again all around the spoiledness or whatever, but again, we could go all on day. I wanna touch quickly before we wrap this all up. You and your son are the first Jamaican-born father and son team to appear on The Amazing Race. Is that worldwide or just the Canadian version? Worldwide. That's worldwide. awesome. Congratulations. Look at that. You know what's so crazy about the story is, and I tell it on stage, is okay. that one we got casted before COVID, right? Ah. So we had to wait years. But in the producers loved him, so they asked him to do Big Brother. He had no idea. I watched a couple episodes. Oh, so shit. Went on- he went on Big Brother and won. Yeah. <laughs> he was the first person of color to win. That's and awesome, And he kind too. of made an alliance with the other black guy. So now the American one right after did the same thing. Right. They, they wanted what he did, and they, they followed that template. Like, yeah, let, let's all us brothers stick together. Right <laughs> the white people have been doing it for, for from time. So, yeah. So it's just, it's, just, it's just been a crazy ride for him, right? Because it was my idea to put him on... Um, on a, on a Amazing Race, I said, listen, my whole life has been trying to run to gigs, so this is going to be perfect. <laughs> but it's crazy, because now it changed his whole life. He's, he let, I mean, he's got a master's degree right. in uh, urban planning. Now he, he went back to work for two days after he won the money, and it's like, oh, I can't do this. Now he's a, he's an influencer. That's he awesome. does all kinds of ads. Yeah, you know, it's funny how your life can change just like that, right? Yeah, no, okay. and I had no idea that you guys were casted first for Amazing Race, and then he did Big Brother, and then you came back and did Amazing Race. Oh my God, that that's that's crazy to hear. And it was one of the best, yeah, best experiences in my life. And you know, you know, one of the jokes I have, I said, you know, I have to do crazy white people stuff like uh, hand water, like a hand gliding, white water rafting. Then you know, the punchline is showing up on time. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> Oh my god So I'm assuming you and your son get along then Because I don't really have a good relationship with my dad And for me to be stuck on a race with him For 24-7 We we would literally kill each other So I I guess you have a good relationship, right? Beauty, beauty, my son's 30, I'm 50 So I had him at 20 years old There you go So So close in age and then he lived with me and on a whole bunch of different occasions like when his mom threw him out a few times oh shit he lived, yeah so you know I was there through his high school years even though I was doing a lot of gigs I was always make sure there's you know I wasn't the one cooking supper at 7 in the evening and everything like that but I'd make sure he knew how to put something together right and I was there to coach him in basketball so yeah we were really close so that, that helped a lot so what was the, your favorite place you visited on the race 
My favorite place, I would say, uh, would be, uh, I liked it out in um, Canmore, BC. Okay. I had been there before, he had been there, and I had a friend that lived there, and then um, I was just running through the town, I'm like, hey, do you know, <laughs> do you know so-and-so? And they're like, yeah, I know so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then one, of the, one of the challenges, I don't know if you watched it, one of the challenges, yeah, of course. You, have puzzle, you have to make a puzzle, right, and mm-hmm. put it together. But as a kid, I had the little one, you know, the little thumb ones with the bottles? Of course. So I was like a Jedi <laughs> my guy. That's something that from when I grew up and it stays with me, man. It does. Even like I could do two clothes on a Rubik's Cube like that. I still don't know how to do a whole Rubik's Cube. But you, you put a cube in my hand because we spend so many hours on that, right? It's so true. And yeah, and you know, I grew up playing every sport. And you ever watch the beginning of a baseball game when they bring a celebrity out to just try to throw the ball to the yep. catcher and the catcher? Of course. I'm like, how can you not know how to throw a ball? Like, it, it I never understood that. Like, the one that stands out for me is the one, and especially this guy, because you would think he's somewhat athletic, was the one when 50 Cent came out, and he I did it, and it just, like, falls. Like I'm like, are you kidding me? What the fuck is that? Well, this guy a billionaire, and he can't throw a baseball. Like, how did he shot nine times? Like, 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 it's crazy to me, but sometimes the simplest things is people can't do. Even when you watch, um, uh, I used to watch uh, Jeopardy. You watch Jeopardy? Yeah, of course. And, and you see people getting all the hard, like, who is, like, who is the king of so-and-so? And then it goes, uh, it'll be a question, like, about Biggie and Puffy. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, what? <laughs> what? These questions are so, like, based on, like, the super high, that they can't get the simplest things. You see, and I've always said this. Uh, people relate having a good memory to being smart, I don't think so. If you're able to memorize everything, that doesn't make you smart. What I think makes people smart, is like how we touched a bit earlier, is like problem solving, is like knowing how to be one step ahead. That's being intelligent. Anyone can memorize anything if you put your mind to it, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Well, I, re- I read a quote years back when I was in college. It says, it- intelligence is not measured on what you know, but okay. it's measured on what you what you don't know when you're in a situation where you should know. <laughs> oh, that's good. When you're put in a situation where you never taught anything, like yeah, yeah. that's when you do intelligence, right? No, th- so. th- you know what? That is so true. You hit it, you hit it dead on, my friend. Wow. So, did you... Okay, how about this? When you were on the show, did you try and like do material while the cameras were rolling? Try, you know, like plug your stuff and shit? <laughs> no, I never tried plug anything because I know it's so edited down. Oh, right? that's true but too. I, I would I would sometimes try to make jokes as I go along, but you don't know what they're gonna use, but I would like just the funny would come out, but you're in you're always in a rush that it's hard that's to really sit too. down and sort of gauge what you're gonna make funny. And they edited some stuff out that made you know you know that my natural funny came out. But we were always behind so I couldn't if we were ahead I could have been more laid back and been funnier. But it's you're always on the move like you know, they, they, one of the things they told you was, even though you're always rushing, take a second to um, smell the flowers. Oh, like, just, that was nice. Yeah, and but it's so hard when you're in a rush. Like <laughs> you just moving, you just so no And we lost on a double elimination, what's never been on the show. And what didn't help us? Two things didn't help us. We're good at directions, right? And because we're because we're coming out of COVID, um, every they, they, a lot of times you you finish a challenge and you have to be back on a bus. And then they let you go on a time delay. Where in the past, you just jump in a car and go where you got to go. Right. Everybody would always catch up because of this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that's, other, that sucks. And then the other thing is that uh, three of the other teams, before they, they created an alliance because of COVID, they were all nice to each other. 
the other years there was no teaming up. It would just be you and your partner. Right. And had it been with that, there's no way you would have lost. Like you know what I'm saying? And it didn't help too. Three teams got eliminated from COVID and they brought them all back. So they didn't even they weren't even three of the episodes. Right. That's an advantage. Of course. So there's a lot of a lot of things were against us, but we did the best we could in what the situation we had, right? You see, that's what I think the problem is nowadays with reality TV, especially like these competitive ones where I understand why they do it because they need fresh eyes and they need to keep it interesting. But at the same time, when you change it that much, it's not really a competition anymore. It just becomes straight up luck. Like, you know, like if you're giving everyone second and third chances or like in Survivor with all these secret uh, immunity idols and everything, or even in Big Brother where it's like, no, you can't get eliminated this week. It's like well, then it all becomes dumb luck. Like, it's not really the true best person who's winning anymore. Exactly, exactly. And then they're, they're, they're all they, they told me, as long as you don't come last, you won't be, you won't be eliminated, okay? So we always like, okay, we won't come last. And then the one episode we're in is a double elimination. We come second to last. We're like, but we weren't last. How can you write this in right now? Like, it was just like, yeah. That yeah. is crazy. So I got to ask you, as a person who's been on reality TV, is it scripted or is it not scripted, my friend? Lay it on us. It's not scripted. Okay. They, but they write as they go. Oh. Right? Because it was a year, so they can adjust things. You know what I mean? If the rule was 15-minute head start, now it's a five-minute. They write as they go. Right? So they kind of, it's not scripted, though. They don't They don't know who's going to win. But, you know, certain things are in other people's wheelhouses that were more, that I find that wasn't, you know what I mean? Like they know you fill out all the stuff that tells you, you know what 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 you what you good at, what you're not good at. So they could they could write stuff and people more stuff in other people's wheelhouses than your stuff, you know. Yeah, almost sort of like giving them a push or manipulating a bit, so it's like in favor of those, right? Yeah, I mean, everything at the end of the day, it's all about t- it's all for TV, right? Oh, of course, it's all about rating. Oh, of yeah. course. But that being said, this is the first seed. Like you know, you had Julie Black, you had another team from Halifax, you had. Two, you know, the two uh, brother, the father and cousin, right? And um, you had me and T, father and son, and you, you know, there's there's more um, cultural, uh, you know, what I mean, like you'd have more people watching. You had the two Filipino girls, so this is a good step in the right direction, right? So, did you find it hard? Do you think you would be able to make it all the way to the end if it was like a true competition? Oh, 100%. Yeah? 100%. Okay. So, like, traveling... Well, again, yeah, I shouldn't say the traveling part doesn't affect you, because fuck. No, no alliance, and just me and T against the rest of the, 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 the world. Yeah, yeah. Them, yeah, 100%. Because even when I look back to... We lost in episode 7. Episode 8 was in Ottawa, and we're strong in French. They didn't get certain things. Shit. And the last episode, the one clue that they didn't get, everybody stuck on that one clue. That would have right. been our... That Ottawa episode where we're great in French, that would have been our strength because we would have got that last. And the other thing, we're good at, um, T and I are really good at, uh, what do you call it, uh, not pu- riddles. Riddles, so okay. So we, we would have got that. Like, if we got to the final episode, we won it. We were winning, 100%. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. How, okay, how about this? Is there any other reality TV shows that you wish you could be a part of or want to do eventually? Well, <laughs> to be honest with you, I, like um, my my dad is American and working on my paper. Me and T would actually try to do the Amazing Race in the States. Oh, okay. And try to, but it's around the whole world, and we're very Americans don't know much <laughs> about the rest of the world. It's so true, they a, don't. You're right. We have an advantage right there, so that'd be that would be the one I'd want. He's thinking of going on the challenge. Oh, which you got to be in more physical shape. So. 
Yeah, that's true. So are you allowed to go back and reapply again for Amazing Race Canada if you guys wanted to? I don't know if we are, but they, you know, they had the uh, season seven. They brought back, uh, they did a contest where it said, "Bring back your favorite team." Oh. So if that happened, where they have one episode, we said, "Let's bring back our favorite teams from the past ten seasons, whatever." Maybe we have a chance to get back on, but I, we wouldn't go and reapply. Like, in our mindset is, let's give another team a chance. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Unless that's we right. got put it back, yeah, with an experience, and now it's like. You know, we got right now. I'm thinking of just writing a script on something and just telling my life, my son. That's where my focus is on. I'm still doing my comedy. Because somebody asked me the other day, "Do you want to? Do you want to teach comedy?" I'm like, teach. I'm still a. I'm still a student of this. <laughs> 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 years did. Um, I don't. It, it's hard to explain. Like you, you could tell somebody or try to show them the pointers, but. You, at the end of the day, you still have to get out there and still find the little rooms. And what makes you better is when you leave your comfort zone, right? So you could be doing comedy bar doing it, and you can be funny there. You're not going to be. You're not going to know you're funny till you get out to uh, Peterborough or Lindsay or you know what yeah. I mean? or That's when you're going to know if you're funny. Being downtown Toronto is easy. It's a, it's a cakewalk because everybody's like knows what's going on and got people right to that downtown and the, that life. But when you get out and somebody just paid. Jethro just paid 40 bucks to see a show. You better make him laugh. <laughs> I know, it's so true. And it's even, I think it's difficult to teach comedy because, again, first off, you have to be funny no matter what. Like, it's fun. I don't think you could teach being funny or witty. Like, those are two things you got to have. Like, you know what I mean? The writing and, I guess, putting together a set, sure, you could teach someone that. But again, you can't write their material because again, it has to come from their perspective, right? So you could teach them. I, I think it's more of you could teach them how to be a professional in comedy, but you can't teach them to be a comedian, if that makes sense. You get a chance. Watch um, me and another kid out of the Humber program. My son wanted to try something. How to be? A, if I could be a comedian in 24 hours. Oh, shit. And <laughs> I, made, I made him write the premises. Okay. And we helped joke so he had to learn five jokes that he wrote the premise on i helped write we write helped write the punchline he did yuck yucks one night and he did uh the same night he went to a bar in downtown toronto and right he saw that how easy yucks was to a bar and he did the exact same jokes Shit, so um the chance it's only about i think uh, 12 minutes long okay it's on youtube i'm a comic in 24 hours <laughs> oh my god i'll for sure check that out that's great so whose idea was it actually to go on the amazing race was it yours or ortiz it was mine oh was okay mine. Was mine, and then he asked me if he should go on. When they asked him to do Big Brother, I said, "Go ahead, man. This is a, you know what I mean. It's reality TV. We're going COVID. And that was the beauty about it. Everybody was stuck at home with COVID, so everybody got to was watching it. Watch him. Yeah, yeah. It's three days a week, so it was beautiful to see that. Now, did you I, honestly you know, think when he walked in, did you think he had a shot, or you were like, ah, he's just going out like to do his thing and whatever? At first, I thought it was just him going out to do his thing. As okay. the people kept going, he was the first person ever that ever touched the block. <laughs> That's true, so, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, so it got better. And it was funny, too, because uh, I found out when, where they were staying in Etobicoke, where the house was. Yeah. And at one point, a drone went by, so everybody had to run inside. So I go, yeah, I remember the drone. He goes, Dad, was that you? Were you <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. He knows, he knows how his dad is like, well, 100 grand, I'm going to figure out how to get a note into it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Cedric, thanks for coming aboard, man. It's been a blast. Plug whatever you want to promote. Floor's all yours, my friend. Go for it. 
anybody yeah, get a chance, check out my album. It's on all uh, platforms, Spotify, Black to the Basics. Um, my my website is called www.cedricnewman.com. And my Instagram's comedian Cedric Newman. So follow me for shows. I'll be all over Canada. I'll be touring. It's all about the journey tour in the new year, talking about everything I just experienced. Yeah, it was amazing being on this podcast and make sure they support you no thank you and if you want to follow me myself you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles you can follow the podcast on Twitter the podcast app email us your thoughts suggestions comments anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com please rewind to the top of the show support those fine sponsors because if it helps them almost definitely helps me out and most importantly please rate subscribe review on all major platforms alright one last question before I let you go it's yeah. pretty broad, but what would be your dream job if you could only have one in the comedy world? What would be my dream job? I would, um, I think I would want to open a comedy club in Mississauga and Port Ooh. Credit. Not, not, yeah, Port, not, yeah, Port Credit. Port Credit. I would just have, yeah, there's, um, I think I would be able to run a beautiful comedy club and pick who I want on stage and mm. keep it tight. Have a lot of walking traffic and just give a nice experience of what comedy should be like, right? Not oh. just uh, people up there going on friggin' venting for five, seven minutes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, before we wrap this up, I just have to say, this is one of my biggest things that I hate that comics do, but I understand why these guys do it. And I don't know if you were one of these or if you're on the same boat as me, when you're going to these like so-called smaller shows where it's just like everyone's friend performing and stuff. What I don't okay, I understand you're trying new material, but I don't appreciate you or not you per se, but the comics being like, "Oh, wait one second, then they start reading their notes and then they proceed to tell their jokes. I'm like, I feel like I'm just like here for your amusement now, like you know what I mean? Yeah, no, take the time, memorize the jokes. I've never brought a pad up. Okay, thank you. Because, again, I understand why they do it, but at the same time, these people still want to laugh, and it, I think it takes you out of the storytelling and everything. Take away from the natural part of right? the... Right? And, you know, it's, it's almost called cheat sheets, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, even somebody that's gotten a little better and they write it on their hands, like, take the extra time to memorize that. <laughs> Don't worry, I've seen that too a few times. Like, the, the kids, they start grabbing the mic and then you see them, like, going like this and spreading their hands slowly, then putting it... I'm like, come on, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even go up with set lists. I, I, oh, shit. I basically know what I, I, know what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Even on my Instagram, I know what I want to do. I memorize it. And if I forget a joke that... I had written, I don't go look for my book. I just boom, boom, boom. Okay, let's go on. Because uh, a lot of times when I do open mics, I will go up and just go off of instinct now. You know, oh. what kind of jokes you want to do and I'll mix it up. And that's why it comes off so much better. You know? So, And that's how you get sharper. Exactly. No, perfectly said. That's on, how you get sharper. <laughs> on that note, he's Cedric. Yeah. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.